hey, I wrote down my favorite tools, <laughs> my favorite business tools that I'm going to be using and services in 2024. Now, all of these tools are actually in my toolbar, my bookmarks bar, and they're labeled. They're in different folders, and I've used Google Chrome for my web browsing. And I have different folders in my toolbar, and in those folders are quick access to these tools. Now, I didn't put all of the tools in there because some of them are just pretty simple, like just links to Amazon to buy stuff and links to YouTube Studio. These are tools that I pay for and use on a regular basis. And I broke them down into one to five categories. So we have productivity, finance, e-commerce or product development, SEO, and we'll end on marketing. So the first batch is productivity. Now, if you've been a follower of mine for a long time, you know that my ultimate productivity tool is Notion. Nope, it's Asana. (laughs) I have been using Asana since 2014, and it has only gotten better, and I live and breathe by it. My entire life is in there, including when to pay my credit cards, when to take out the trash, and exactly what trash I need to take out that week. I... If I need to buy somebody a birthday gift, I have to stick it in there or else I will not buy it. It just, if it doesn't go into Asana, it doesn't get done. That's been my motto for so many years now. You can call it my second brain, um, but I like it because it is a simple list. I use mostly the lists. I very rarely use the Kanban style, like the columns. I just mainly use it as 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 like different lists. And I have it broken down. Um, so right now, since I'm really only working on Swim University, I just have one team. All three of us are in that team. And I have different projects. I have all of our different – I have social media. I have articles. I have videos. I have marketing. I have development, which is technically uh, web development. And then I have product or you know products. And then that's just a list that I carry on for ideas, for updates, and if I need to improve anything. That's pretty much, pretty simple, actually. And then I have my whole personal side of things, my corporate side of things, where it's like, and my house, my entire house is in there too. So like, every time I need to replace the filters in my heating system, I have that in there. Every time I have to get the sprinklers blown out, I put that in there. I think Steph even has when to empty the litter box. <laughs> like that's how mu- like it is that's how consistent and like um <laughs> that's how dedicated I am to Asana. Okay, so you know that. The other productivity tool that I use is Front. I've been using Front uh I don't know for quite a bit and Front is an email uh client. I've been using it because I basically have two email addresses. I have my personal email address, and then I have Matt at MoneyLab.co, which is actually the same. It's actually just one email address, one Google Suite address that works across all three of my brands because my name is Matt. And then I have Front separate that into different inboxes. So even though it's all technically going to the same Gmail account, it's visually separated into three 
inboxes. Those are Swim University, Money Lab, and Brew Cabin. But really, everything's just going into Swim University at this point. And some Brew Cabin still. And then anything that goes through Money Lab just gets automatically forwarded to my personal. But I answer it through moneylab.co, if that makes sense. Uh, and then I also – my brother is also in there because he's going to be doing customer service. So he's basically going to be answering emails for Swim University and he's using my email address. So we really only have one email address for the entire company that I just pay for. And I use G Suite to pay for it. OK. Moving on to finance. This is this unsexy uh, category. Finance. I use two products. Religiously, one is QuickBooks. I'm a QuickBooks user. If you have a business and you're not on QuickBooks, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. I mean, I know there's other ones, but I've used Zero in the past. This is I don't know. I just QuickBooks is just the way to go. And then the other service that I use is Gusto, which is we are an LLC, but we operate or sorry we are taxed as an s corp and that means that we are all employees of the company even though i'm the primary owner and so all of us get paid a salary through gusto it's a payroll company but they also handle our health insurance and then i think they're eventually going to handle i i don't know if we're going to do this or have to do this i'll have to talk to my accountant i do have an accountant also uh but they handle all of that stuff, the, oh, uh, unemployment insurance, because I have more than one employee, more than just me. I had to get that through the state. And they handle some other stuff too. I'm trying to remember. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I get dental and health. So yeah, they kind of handle all that, which is great. And actually, I believe they're located in Denver, which right down the street. Doesn't matter, but there they are. If I ever have terrible customer service, I can knock on their door. <laughs> I, I hope to never have to do that. All right, moving on to e-commerce. I have uh, one that's really interesting, but this the first one is Shopify. So Shopify is my shopping cart software. Now, I used to use Podia to sell my products because I only had courses video courses specifically. Now I'm selling physical products. So I have courses and physical products, including a book. And Shopify is great because it connects with the book stuff, which I can go over in another episode. It connects with obviously my shipping company that I use to store, warehouse, and ship my 3PL or third-party logistics company. And then I have to use Zapier to connect it to Podia to deliver the courses. Now, I'm saying that I use Shopify now. I love Shopify. I will probably be on Shopify forever. It just makes sense for me. Even if I you know, only had digital products, I'd still use Shopify, honestly. The, the reporting so good and the customer service is excellent and it connects – with a lot of third-party stuff, including Facebook, Google Ads, TikTok ads, etc. And I, for my physical products, I use the actual shopping pages. Like I actually have a theme built 
on Shopify. But for digital courses, I create my own pages on WordPress and just link the button so that it goes directly to checkout. Um, I'm not going to include Zapier or Zapier or whatever people like to call it in here. I actually don't like it. I've never liked it. Uh, it's just... It's just like a, it's just like this weird intermediary thing that I'm like I always have to like be cautious of. So I am thinking of moving off of Podia this year and moving into a more enterprise level course delivery platform called Thinkific. And the reason I'm choosing Thinkific, I've looked at a whole bunch. I've looked at Kajabi. I've looked at uh, Learn Dash. You know all the uh, LMSs out there, and Thinkific plays real nice with Shopify. So if I move to Thinkific, it's actually a little bit cheaper if I do compared to Podio. And I obviously get more flexibility in in what I can provide in my courses. And I don't have to use Zapier. So I save money there too. Uh, if Now, if Podia connected directly with Shopify, then I probably wouldn't move. But... They're never going to do that. They're just not that type of company. I still like the look and feel of Podia. Some of it. But with Thinkific, I have a lot more flexibility and I kind of want that. So Thinkific is on my list of e-com products. Another one that is surprising, but I'm so glad I found this service, this website. And I pay monthly for it. It's called Yellow Images. And what Yellow Images is, it's 3D, it's blank 3D mockups of products. So I use it to create realistic product images, both for my physical products and my digital products and my lead magnets. And anything else I create in the future, whether it's a book, I can get uh, like you basically can get you can buy a blank book from it and all at all different angles and then you put it into photoshop you add your image on top of it and it automatically just sticks it on the book it's pretty cool uh and it has a ton of different things like if you sold your own coffee and didn't want to do product photography like real product photography you wanted like a really clean image of your product you could use this is what the company does so I thought that was pretty interesting. I use it quite a bit, actually. Whenever I down, like create a new lead magnet, which is basically a PDF, but I make it look like a sheet of paper because it technically, if you print it, it is. Instead of like actually printing it and taking a photo and then having to be good at photography, this allows me to make really clean mock-ups of my products. Um, all right, moving on to SEO. SEO, I, if you know me, You've always known I've used Ahrefs, and I have recently switched to SEMrush. I hate that it's called SEMrush. I hate that it's called Ahrefs. It's a, two incredibly difficult names to say. But I moved to SEMrush because and, – and the reason I did was I started seeing murmurs on Twitter how, like, Ahrefs was slow and, like, not accurate and they had problems. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I don't really care, honestly. Ahrefs has always been good to me. But then I was like, you know what? SEMrush like went public. They bought Backlinko. Like they're they're pretty big. I think they're a Philly company, my hometown. 
So I was like, I'm just going to try it, you know? So I started try, I started playing with it. Oh, at the same time, I had Ahrefs, and I was like, oh, I kind of just like it better. Like, I, it, it felt more intuitive to me, and it gave me, like, actual handwritten data. Like, they have this AI thing where it will spit out a couple of paragraphs of, like, how well you're doing. Like, it tells you, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice. And I'm sure Ahrefs will do that one day. But I just kind of liked what it could do. It connects to social media. It does a lot of things. It has a built-in um, tool for backlink building. It has a built-in tool for creating content. It just had a lot of like extra things that I was like, this is pretty cool. And I just, I just kind of liked it better. So I moved. What, I think they're both the same, so regardless. But I, to me, they're incredibly important. I mean, you have to have one or the other, honestly, if you're doing SEO at all. I know there's free tools out there, um, and that's fine for research, but I use it for research. I use it for tracking. I'm now using it for backlink tracking. I'm also using it for social media growth. There's even keywords for YouTube that I'm, I tried using and I might still continue to use. So it's, it's really nice. And it kind of gives me an overall picture of my company when it comes to SEO. So I like that. The other tool that I use, which is very expensive, it's actually more expensive than SEMrush, is called ClearScope. And I've talked about this in another podcast. I think it's similar to Surfer SEO. I've tried using Surfer SEO and I didn't understand it. ClearScope is just clear. (laughs) It's just really easy for me to understand. It does one thing. I mean, it does multiple things now, but it really just does one thing. It It plays well with WordPress. And so I just like the workflow better for ClearScope even though it has less features and costs more, I think, than Surfer SEO, or even now SEMrush has that stuff built into it. So I like it because it has a decent WordPress plugin. Now, I don't know if Surfer SEO has a WordPress plugin and if it plays the same way as ClearScope. If it did, I would consider switching because it is expensive for, for, it to, for it to only do one thing. But I use it and I like it. The other one I use is Headline Studio. That's from CoSchedule. I think it's like $10 a month and it helps me craft SEO titles for my articles. It, I also use it for just general headline crafting, you know, for sales pages, for emails, subject lines, things like that. And then finally for SEO, surprise, ChatGPT. I use ChatGPT to help me craft outlines, briefs, essentially, for, for articles. So I consider that an SEO tool. And it's obviously can, it's good for productivity. It's good for marketing stuff. But I'm, I, I add a chat. I have my link to chat GPT in my SEO folder because that's where I use it a lot. And finally, which has the most tools, is marketing. So under marketing, I have Clavio which is what I use for email marketing. I personally have used every single goddamn email service provider there is. I've used MailChimp. I've used AWeber. And all for a decent period of time, by the way. I've used ConvertKit. I've used ActiveCampaign. And now I'm on Clavio. Clavio is not cheap, but it is so good. It is so far my favorite 
email marketing software that I've used, I, even when I got, even when I switched from ConvertKit to ActiveCampaign, I liked what it could do in terms of automations, but I hated the software and I hated building emails in it. I love building emails in Clavio and it gives me so much more data that I want to see on my home screens. It plays super well with, with Shopify, which is another bonus, which is the re- main reason why I switched over. But here's the thing. I know I used to tout this idea of evergreen newsletters where, and I, I had this on, on active campaign where I basically had an entire year's worth of emails that automatically sent to custom or to uh, subscribers every single year, every single week. And that felt, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm automating email. And then, you know, when I moved to, when I was like talking to the people at Clavio, which by the way, their onboarding process was friggin' awesome. Like they literally got on zoom and handheld and they didn't actually literally hold my hand. So I, they figuratively hold it, held my hand through the entire process and it was great. But I got on the phone with them out in zoom and I talked to, I guess I would consider them sales. I talked to her for like an hour, kind of telling her all of my, like what I had built on active campaign and what I needed. And she was like, look, you can't do that in Clavio. And here's why we don't recommend doing that. And I was like, all right, well, that's a sales pitch. I can see through that. But I came away from that conversation being like, maybe there's something to this. Like I've always thought it's a great idea to have an evergreen newsletter that I build once and never touch. But I, but when I looked at my actual hours, I was touching that automation every week because I had to change something or update something, or if I wanted to change the like, or if like, you know, we, we changed our color scheme recently and I'm like, Oh my God, I have to go back and manually in every fucking email, change it by hand. Cause it, there wasn't no, there was no templating. And I was like, Oh, that that's time consuming. That's insanely time consuming. I had built this house of cards that works if you don't change anything. <laughs> so I thought, okay, what's the, what's the new process? The new process is I have to manually schedule emails every week. I actually have to send out the newsletters. And I thought, okay, that sucks. Or at least it sucks when I think about what I'm currently doing but it would allow me to change offers on the fly, depending on the season, depending on what we had in stock, depending on what was selling really well that month, which I wasn't able to do with the Evergreen newsletter. I was able to change and A-B test every single email I sent out. Maybe there's different offers that would work better than others and I would learn. I could, you know, and I could still schedule these emails, but it's not built into an automation. Now I still have automations. They call them flows in Clavio or Clavio. They, they, they have automations, but they're just, I just only use them for like a quick onboarding. 
and then they're out. And once they're out, once they're in the Evergreen newsletter, it, they're just in a weekly newsletter that I send out. And I have to make two emails, one for pools, one for hot tubs. But it's not too bad because now I'm using ChatGPT to write a lot of those emails. So it doesn't take very long. And I just recently trained uh, a GPT. So I created a custom ChatGPT to write emails for me. And I have it trained on my data sets. And so it writes the emails exactly how I format them. And I just copy and paste, stick it in, schedule it out, and I'm done. It's not too bad. And then I can go, you know what? It's like end of January. Let's, let's do like a three-day sale. And I just throw that together, put it up. And it's like, yeah, I, I, have to just, I have to be more involved. But I'm already creating articles. I'm already posting those articles up on Facebook and Pinterest and all these other social platforms. Why not also add an email? And then anytime Steph creates a new video, I'm sending that via email. Anytime, you know, I get a question, I can send an email. There's like so many reasons to send emails. And so the Evergreen newsletter idea is great on paper. And now I'm like, I'm so glad I'm doing it on the fly. And we'll see. I've been doing it for six months with no problem and no aggravation and no slow down in productivity. And what's great about Clavio is that the software itself is much faster than ActiveCampaign ever was, which was always my biggest problem. But it does less complex things, but I think that that's kind of, I think sometimes email can be overly complex. And I think Active Campaign and, you know, Confusionsoft, they used to call it that. I think it's called something else now. Keep. I think that's right. Anyway, so that's what I'm using. Clavio. Clavio, whatever you want to call it. The other marketing tool that I thought about getting rid of, but then I was like, no, I'm going to double down on it. Deadline Funnel. And that's what I use for my one-time offers Shout out to Miles Beckler for helping me out with that back in 2021. So when someone subscribes to our website to download one of our cheat sheets, they get pitched a one-time offer that has a deadline funnel attached to it where they have 24 hours to buy. If they don't, price goes back to normal. So still use it and it works great. And it actually does work. I did test, I did test for a while not using a deadline funnel or not having a deadline at all. And sales dropped, so does work. The other tool I decided to invest in is Bitly. Remember Bitly, the URL shortener? So it's funny because I've had the domain swimu.com since the first day that I bought swimuniversity.com. And I stuck it into Bitly back in the day. Like this is, I'm talking like 2008 or whenever Bitly came out. I stuck it in there and I, sh- I had shortened URLs for all my social posts. So it would always say like swimu.com slash something. And I decided to pay for it because I've been using it for so long and I wanted some more, I wanted to be able to archive old stuff and whatever feature it was. So it's, it's not cheap, but it's great because I use it for social media. So anytime I say something on screen, like, hey, go to swimu.com slash book or whatever. That's not a real one, but I can create really short 
URLs that are still branded that I can say out loud. So that's, it's mostly, and it's, it works on the podcast well, as well. So on our podcast and on our shorts. On our long-form videos, we're still using the full swimuniversity.com. We may change it, but yeah, for the shorts and for the podcast, I'm using the uh, Bitly version. Unfortunately, I'll be paying for that forever because <laughs> they're now locked in our content. So is it a good idea? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is something I use. The other tool I use, speaking of social media, is Later. Later, dude. Uh, that's, I don't know why I chose Later, but I think because you could do video. Is that right? Oh, you could schedule reels. And I don't know, I used to use Buffer, and before that I had Meet Edgar, and right now I'm trying to find a tool that will allow me to publish evergreen content, and I've talked about this, somebody mentioned Hero Post, but I actually went on their website today, they're, they're, they're not a, they're down, like they're not working anymore, so I don't know if that's still a thing, but uh, I also asked it on Twitter this afternoon, and n- people said Meet Edgar, people said Buffer, which I don't... I know Buffer can connect to a RSS feed, but that's not what I'm talking about because that would force me to have to constantly update it. So I, what I want is, and I, this may not exist. I think, I know Edgar, this exists in Edgar. So maybe that's just, it's just that. Um, but I'm surprised no one else has done this, but I want to create a bank of posts. Like if I have 200 blog posts, right? I want to be able to go into a tool and create 200 social media posts that link to those blog posts and maybe multiple versions. So like for, you know, for a single example, maybe I have a social media post that has three different images and three different primary texts, but all linking to the same article. And I want to put that in some sort of bank in some sort of, you know, library. And then I want the software to just automatically cycle through them. And post them like once a day on Facebook. You know, that's all I really want is really for Facebook. So I think it's Edgar. I might look into doing it, but we'll see. The other one, so I use, so again, we use later. My brother actually uses it. I'm not really in it that much. My brother uses it for scheduling our short form videos on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, X and Pinterest, believe it or not. It can also schedule YouTube shorts, but we find that it's just actually easier to schedule on the app itself, on like the YouTube studio. And we've tested this too. We thought for a while, we che- I think we went two months, and I don't know if I mentioned this in the other video or the other podcast I did where I talked about these social media tests that I've done. And it was just, um, the podcast was about how to improve social media. So if you want to go back and check it out, I don't think I mentioned this, but for two months, I had this hypothesis that face or, or uh, sorry, Instagram doesn't like when you post or schedule something through a third party app. So my idea was let's stop using later for a couple months and post these videos natively on all of the different platforms and see if we see a significant bump in reach. And actually we didn't, we saw zero change. And so we thought, all right, that's not a factor. Um, so we're just gonna go back to doing later because it's actually more 
uh, time, what do, you, what do I want to say? More efficient to do it that way. Okay, three more. Uh, crazy Egg. I have mentioned this on another show. I'm surprised people are not using this more often or recommend, recommending it more often. It's great. We use it for CRO stuff. So I have heat maps on my big pages and I'm constantly tweaking my code and my design and then re-uploading the new page to, and just measuring where people are clicking on my website and improving those spaces. I'm also doing A-B testing through it. I'm also doing exit surveys through it. And then I also run sales with like announcement bars through it. It's, it's great. The, I highly recommend it, honestly. It's, and, and I'm recording people. So you can record. So I have like on a sales page, you can record somebody actually going through it. And it's in, you, some really interesting stuff has come out. And I, to where I'm like, oh, I should change this. And especially scroll, you can do scroll maps on heat maps. So I have scroll maps on my sales pages and I just know that oh, no one, everyone's just like blowing through this section or no one's scrolling this far. So like my sh- sales pages should be way shorter or whatever. There, there's so much information that can be gained. It's not that expensive, but the information's invaluable and I continue to use it every single week. Okay, I use Typeform. I used to use uh, Google Forms because it was free. And then I switched to a company called Reform, which was cheaper. Uh, Still didn't do everything I needed it to do or wanted it to do. But the reason I ended up leaving them and switching to Typeform is because Typeform plays very well with Clavio. And what I do, what I use Typeform for currently is I have a flow set up in Clavio. I think it's like the second or third email in the sequence for onboarding a new pool subscriber and hot tub subscriber. And what happens is there, it just says, hey, you know, we, tell us more about your pool and we will be able to design emails for you. And so people click the link, they fill out the form, which is pretty short. And that information is sent back into Clavio And so I can segment people based on certain criteria. One of those criteria that's a really big deal for us is the question that we ask in the survey is, do you keep your pool open year round? Because if you live in the Northeast or where it's cold, you close your pool every year. But if you live in Florida or Southern California or parts of Texas, you keep your pool open year round. And so we know people who keep their pool open year round and we continue to send them emails throughout the winter. And that's how we figure that out using Typeform. We also started using Typeform to collect feedback on our products. So every time somebody buys, say, our book, we send a survey out that's like, hey, tell us about the book. And it's, and it's mainly to figure out what we can change. And finally, we also use it to collect testimonials. The one thing I do want to look into is they have another product that's related but not part of the same tool. I think it's called Video Ask, and it's video testimonials. Now, I have collected video testimonials using an app called testimonial.to. Pretty decent, except my audience never did video. I... I gave people the option to do video or text and everyone always chose text. Uh, 
I think I would do video ask and only say, hey, if you send us a video testimonial, I'll give you something in return. You know, and literally just pay for video testimonials, essentially. So, so for example, one of my ideas is send me, like, you know, use this tool, film a video, and you need to be by your hot tub, as an example. And here's some questions to ask and say it, you know, don't worry, we'll edit it if we decide to put it up on the website and, or, or not. And basically say, if you do this, we'll, we'll pay, you know, you will pay you like, we'll send you a $50 gift card to Amazon or something, which basically makes the course free. And it's like, Hey, you took the thing. Thank you for the, you know, and it's, and the only problem is, is I just don't know where I would use these videos yet. I know I can put them on our sales pages, but I'm, but I would have to test to see if people would actually scroll that far to watch them or they just might be fine and happy and it just works with, um, you know, a regular testimonial, a regular written testimonial. The other thought was when I make sales videos and test different sales videos, I can include these video testimonials in the sales video, which I wouldn't be able to do with a written testimonial very well. So just some things that I'm thinking about uh, with a, when it comes to using Typeform, it's, it's just, it's versatile. So I can use it for a lot of different things and it's not cheap, but again, in the grand scheme of like my business, pretty inexpensive. And last but not least, Transistor. This is more of a service than a tool, I guess, but um, it's my podcast hosting platform. It is what has delivered this episode to you. <laughs> and it is run by Justin Jackson. I think he's a co-founder with another, another gentleman. I believe his name is John. And they, I was an early adopter. So he, he DM'd me and asked, hey, would, would I you know, be interested in hosting a podcast on a service? Yes, uh, yes, 100%, because I, I wanted something very simple. And it has remained simple. It is super clean. It has been super reliable. And customer service is great. And, I, and it's affordable. And it is honestly the best podcast hosting platform I've used. I have used, because I've been podcasting a long time, I used Libsyn or Liberated Syndication, I believe it's short for. I... That was like the only game in town back in, I don't know, 2008 or whatever I started. Uh, I, from, I haven't been on it for a very long time. I hated it when I was on it. Like hated it. Just the interface was horrible. Did it do what it was supposed to do? Yes. But I had, but man, I followed, I remember, wow, before I even, I don't know, this is a little of a rant. Uh, before I even had any business-related podcast. I had a podcast that my friends and I made for a buddy who got deployed to Afghanistan. And the idea was <laughs> we were going to create a radio show that he could listen to because he could download podcasts and audiobooks to like, you know, keep them sane, I guess. And just to keep him connected to home. And this is, I, 
this feels like it was pre-2008. It definitely was because I wasn't living – I think I was still living – I was still living with my parents. So yeah, it's pre-2008 and when I, so we ended up like doing it at my, my dad's house and then we moved it to my friend's apartment because he had a recording studio in his apartment and we set up a table and we had mics and we had instruments and – we had a sound effect board. We, were, we had one guy who was just on sound effects and then there was three of us and I was the main host and we would read – like I would find like news related to our town and I would do a whole segment on that. Anyway, it was just kind of like a fun thing. We did it once a week and he was the, really like the only listener. But I didn't know anything at the time and so I was uploading M- the MP3s to my personal like Bluehost or, or I or HostGator account and just storing the MP3 on my like web hosting platform. And then I was handwriting XML to generate an RSS feed that I would submit to Apple. And I did that for a long time. And then when I started, I think it was Listen Money Matters. Yeah, had to be. When I started with So Many Matters, I followed Pat Flynn's podcasting advice. And this is a long time ago. I'm sure it's changed since. But I followed his advice, which was at the time use a plugin for WordPress called Blurberry or Blueberry and use Liberated Syndication, Libsyn, to host the, the MP3. So we only used Libsyn to host. And then... I think it was called Blueberry to create the RSS feed and the blog post, you know, with the show notes that would that we would submit to Apple. So yeah, Libsyn on it forever. We eventually, with Listen Money Matters, switched to Megaphone, which is like the biggest, like enterprise level podcast hosting platform. I it's like I think it's what all the NPR shows use, and you know, This American Life and all that. Because it had dynamic ad insertion, which Transistor also has. Now, I don't know if this – I'm going to try it. If you're listening this far and you want to start a podcast, I do have an affiliate link. I can't tell you if it works or not, but you can try it, moneylab.co slash transistor. If it it goes there, great. I get a little kickback. But yeah, highly recommend Transistor. Have no vested interest in it other than – I use it. I use it for three podcasts now. So I have this one. I have my pool school podcast and my hot tubs 101 podcast. So that's all the tools that I'm using in 2004. I am trying my damnedest not to (laughs) buy any more tools. If I do buy anything else, it's probably going to be that video ask tool. But other than that, yeah, we're, we're, we're set. We're set for the year. And you know, I, there's a whole other like slew of WordPress plugins that I use. Actually, can I just rattle right them off real fast? Okay, I will. Uh, WordPress, I pay for. These are only the ones I pay for. I pay for WP Rocket, Imageify. So WP Rocket for PageSpeed, Imageify also for PageSpeed, but for compressing images. And then finally, Ad- Admin Columns Pro. And Admin Columns Pro is one of those like sleeper hits where I try to get everybody to use. 
Uh, and it's really great if you end up running a database with WordPress. It's sick. Anyway, those are the ones that I pay for. Super inexpensive. Oh, I pay for Yoast as well. So those are su- like basically all, all said, all combined. It's probably like maybe 25 bucks a month. And then also kind of an honorable mention, I use Loom, but that's really for like if I need Chris to do something or just it, – it's better for me to explain with Loom and record my screen and then send it. And I use that a lot for like customer service or like if I have a problem with software, I'll just film a video like here's the problem I'm experiencing, send it to the company so they can see it and diagnose my issues. Uh, I used to use it a lot more when I was running Money Lab, but – and I, you know, I think I pay eight bucks a month for it. It's still worth it. I use it like just enough for it to be worth eight bucks a month. But since mostly I'm doing stuff um, not on the computer where I don't need to film my computer, uh, it's becoming less and less handy. But anyway, honorable mention. That's it. Goodbye.